Oh, hey there. This is Jeff Soros Grant. And I'm Najee Ram. This is Get With The Program. Here we talk about a question we have about online course design. As we help faculty build their courses, we have our own questions. We have many questions about the following topic. So we'll span a couple episodes. Here it is. Diversity, equity, and inclusion, and course design. Where do we start, Jeff? Well, maybe the question to start for this episode is, like, what's the best way to introduce diversity, equity, and inclusion to online course design? We know all about course design, but what about diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI? What are some definitions to frame our discussion here? Yeah, I think that's actually really important because um, oftentimes when I talk to faculty about diversity in particular, they'll mention something along the lines of like they can't really control who's in their courses. You know, they might say, "Well, that's that's the job of admissions people or the university." Um, I say this because you know faculty wonder, you know, where to start and what role they play uh, with diversity, equity, and inclusion. So, so for some definitions, um, I especially like the ones from the Association of American Colleges and Universities. And by the way, we'll include the complete definitions in the episode transcript. But for diversity, those are individual differences and group and social differences. Um, inclusion is the active, intentional, and ongoing engagement with diversity. And then for equity, that's the creation of opportunities for historically underrepresented populations. That's pretty complex. I think when faculty are considering just in-person instruction, they struggle with DEI. To add to that, ensuring online course, course designs address DEI, that's even more complex. That's when we come in. <laughs> As instructional designers, we like to give specific, useful recommendations that can help faculty meet the needs of their students. Well, so maybe we start with something that faculty already do, um, which is make their courses accessible so that students with disabilities are included. And we have lots of recommendations for that and specific practices. So for example, like in a particular class, you may not have a request for an accommodation for students who are deaf or hard of hearing, but you still proactively include closed ca captions for all videos. Your, your course design anticipates the needs of specific students. It's, it's baked into the design of the course. That's a great example. It's a specific design practice for specific students. Yes, captions help others, but it's important not to lose focus on who it principally helps, students who are deaf or hard of hearing. But of course, DEI practitioners rightfully know our concept of inclusion needs to be even bigger. We have to expand even more who feels included and better ensure equitable learning outcomes. So definitely there's like several different approaches um, from, from what I've found and what I've kind of researched over the years. You know, one is, you know, faculty can focus on their inclusive teaching practice and that's informed by uh, culturally responsive teaching, inclusive pedagogy, uh, and then try to translate that into online course design. And then separately, there are at least three course design rubrics that focus on equity, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And then there are longstanding online course design rubrics that have started to address DEI. Um, where should we start? Well, let's start with rubrics that address equity in course design. You know, thank you for sharing the Peralta and Stanford rubrics with me. I was reviewing those. Um, and when reviewing the detailed description of the Peralta rubric, I found that most criteria yielded specific recommendations. 
You know, for example, the first equity criterion indicates that structure and activities mitigate digital divide and technology access issues. And respective recommendation is to list each technology provided, provide clear pathways for students to get assistance. Yeah, those recommendations and those kind of like criterions or standards, those are not too different from what we'd see in a course design rubric from, say, Quality Matters or Colt, which is the quality learning and teaching rubric from the CSU. Um, both of those, QM and Colt, they address, you know, the technical issues that students face and how to support students in the online environment. But then the equity rubric criterion seven states, you know, create activities that require students to connect the course topics and materials to different backgrounds, cultures, identities, their own and others. What about that one? So that that's distinctly different from what we might think of as like typical, you know, online course design, you know, that specifically calls for cultural responsiveness in designing assignments and activities. You know, so perhaps while faculty is considering like alignment and measurable outcomes, which are hall hallmarks of um, online course design, you know, this recommendation is asking them also to consider, you know, students' identity, backgrounds, and also kind of like the interpersonal nature of learning with others. Our colleague, Dr. Carl Sharp-Miller, runs a workshop called Showing Students You Care. And something deep I took away is that caring for students is not just an emotion, but an action something that's observable. The Peralta rubric gives us some actions, some defined practices that can express care and that we want our students to feel included. The recommendation is for equity criterion eight, and it is craft both text and video messages that communicate you care about each student's participation and success in your classes. Yeah, and I think this is, this is an important counterpoint to some criticism of, of equity work, um, that it diminishes the curriculum or reduces rigor. You know, this practice of showing care, I think still leaves plenty of room for the highest of expectations for students. It seems too that some disciplines wonder how they can address diversity, equity, and inclusion, especially in STEM. That's why I like the course design, equity, and inclusion rubric from Stanford University's Department of Bioengineering and created by STEM educator, Dr. Melissa Koh. Something unique here is teaching persona under the instructor section, which states, instructional team projects their individuality and humanity and explains their personal relevance to the content. I like this because it allows including and sharing their own personal history and how it relates to the course. Yeah, when working with folks in our inclusive teaching program, I, I do hear that from folks, especially in STEM. They might say that their subject matter is not controversial. It doesn't have like a social justice aspect to it. So like DEI practices don't really apply or aren't immediately useful to them. But in the case of like teaching persona, individuality, humanity, you know, personal relevance to the topic, you know, what you're doing is like you're essentially helping the students see that you struggled too and how you came to study your subject matter. You know, perhaps it was a bumpy road. Um, you know, the journey to becoming a scientist or an engineer is hard. You're acknowledging that. You're acknowledging your students' current experience on that bumpy road. I can see for some faculty, it might be revealing their status as a regular person in a way, like not on that pedestal, not being the sage on the stage. And maybe they themselves feel that they have to preserve that kind of distance between them and the student. Um, but the benefits are there. I mean, I think 
sharing your personal journey, uh, your chemistry journey, your library journey, your math journey, kind of fits into typical online course design practice, like asking faculty to introduce themselves. And you can also have students trace, uh, have you actually as a faculty trace your journey, your science journey, and their challenges and opportunities as well. So what are your overall impressions of these equity first rubrics for course design? Both Peralta and Stanford are written with criteria to assess a course. However, the recommendations often cover both design and delivery. Their criteria focus more on the faculty's own practice, even introspection into their own teaching philosophy. From the perspective of us instructional designers, it's difficult to pick out the practices and a teaching approach when it is spread out throughout the course. So it's a little hard to assess and give feedback. Um, it may not be possible to provide definitive explanations when there isn't one and cover the delivery and facilitation when we do not have access to that. Yeah, it's a little bit more abstract, you know, looking at, again, teaching persona, teaching philosophy, it really is almost kind of in the realm of like faculty development or teaching development. So then, you know, how would we bring DEI directly into more traditional course design rubrics, like say quality matters? What's great about the quality matters rubric is that it focuses solely on course design. There are items there that are definitively identifiable in the course, and we don't have to refer to or access facilitation. Each general standard has individual specific review standards. Each specific review standard has annotations, which define what items instantiate the standard and the degree of acceptability, often 85% for deviation. Yeah, and, and QM did begin to address DEI in, in a limited way. You know, at the end of 2020, Actually, the day before I gave a presentation about DEI and, and QM, they updated the QM Bridge to Quality Design Guide with some guidance on culturally responsive design. There's some guidance on how existing QM standards can address DEI, right? For example, the Instructor Plan for Interaction, SRS 5.3, includes considerations about unpacking expectations for interaction. We can say these are like unpacking the hidden curriculum of college. For instructional materials 4.5, you're asked to consider your course from a novice's perspective and whether there are accurate representations of the authorities in the discipline. Also, QM asks you to consider whether or not materials allow for students to see themselves or people like them and acknowledge knowledge creators in the field. So that's a start, but I think it's good to good to be clear that that guidance actually isn't in the rubric itself. It's in this, in this design guide, which is kind of like this supplemental resource for faculty. Um, and so I can completely understand, you know, the perspective that that doesn't go far enough to address diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I think part of the issue is that the QM peer review infrastructure is quite elaborate. You know, there's professional development, workshops on the rubric, how to be a peer reviewer, Campuses also, they invest a lot of time and money in QM. And so like big changes to the rubric are somewhat slower and more deliberate. And the standards and annotations need to be clear and consistent for a large national 
an increasingly international community of practice in online course design. And the week that we're actually recording this, you know, QM has actually started the process for the next rubric update and the inclusive uh, design aspects to the rubric seem to be top of mind for the rubric committee. And so that will be interesting to see how that materializes. I think their launch date for the big revision is March 2023. So what does that mean right now? We'll still need to consult two different rubrics to fully address DEI and course design? Well, our system, you know, the, the Cal State University system has its own quality learning and teaching rubric that just received a big update. Uh, and the cult rubric has been revised. You know, it now actually includes DEI considerations with many sections and specific objectives that directly reference DEI. But this rubric also covers design and delivery. And you know, some context here, you know, about 23, there's um, 23 campuses in the system, and about half of them use cults, and the other half use quality matters. Yeah, the newly revised section one now addresses how etiquette expectations can be used to resolve conflicts and address diversity, equity, and inclusion. That's 1.4. Objective 1.9 says that the course syllabus includes a personal or departmental statement that is aligned with the institution or college's messages relating to diversity, equity, and inclusion and provides means by which students can address violations of these policies and ideals with their instructor, peers, and or university administrators. In Objective 5.9, activities build upon individual strengths and funds of knowledge. Um, their respective examples help us to start to pinpoint a detailed recommendation. You know, surveying students and incorporating their answers into activities is a good way to get started. Yeah, Colt's Objective 5.9, you know, that's another great example of culturally responsive teaching. Um, I think there's also times when diversity, equity, inclusion practices might be like hiding in plain sight. How about Oscar from SUNY? Yes. I mean, that was my first course design rubric. I remember studying that. Um, so yeah, that's um, Oscar um, from the State University of New York, SUNY. Other folks at SUNY have annotated their standards with reference to regular and substantive interactions. So that's the new regulation from the Department of Education. And existing standards such as number 43 ask students to share resources and knowledge with guidance from the instructor. 47 says in courses, students should review their performance and learning throughout the course, right? So this again includes a student in the operation of the course. You know, I can see some connections here. Maybe that's the practice that's hiding in plain sight regular and substantive interactions are also the main way you show students that you care. Yeah, so what do you think? Do we have enough to start to address DEI and online course design? There are a lot of different approaches, a lot of practices um, that address DEI, some promising updates to rubrics, but I'm left feeling like there's not enough specific guidance on DEI, especially how to use existing course design rubrics and practices to address it. You know, I like what's in Peralta and Stanford. I like what's now in Colt. I like RSI in Oscar. Um, as an ID, we can't really bring a new rubric to our faculty, a completely new rubric. So how can we build on what we have already? How can we supplement it? I go back to the big question we have for this episode. What's the best way to introduce DEI to online course design? Well, we're actually working on a project 
um, that could help with, with that specifically. Um, you know, we're making a series of annotations that directly address diversity, equity, inclusion, and online course design. Um, this dates back to our inclusive teaching program, which we launched in fall 2019. And so kind of around that time, around you know, the beginning of 2020, you know, we started to connect these course design practices that were like in QM and Colt to the inclusive teaching practices that we had identified in our, our faculty program on inclusive teaching. And by the way, we're using an expansive definition of inclusion, you know, a very broad that kind of, again, mirrors the AACNU definition for inclusion. And then really to kind of explain how one affects the other, how course design affects inclusive teaching and vice versa, we provide this like detailed annotation. And then annotation lists like specific techniques to address DEI and course design. It also looks at impacts to design and facilitation separately. So you know, if you're at a campus that uh, uses a rubric that does not address facilitation, you can focus on those design considerations. And it'll also give scenarios and examples for the students the annotation will help. You know, it'll, it'll show you, um, you know, specific examples, cases of students who are helped by that annotation being implemented in the design of your course. And then all the annotations are gonna be well-researched and cited so you can find the support for the practice in the culture responsive and inclusive teaching literature. I think the best part, the part that I'm maybe most excited about is that this annotations framework is going to work with all existing online course design rubrics. So no matter which rubric you use, you can find specific guidance for DEI based on the specific rubric standard that you're looking to improve or implement in your course. And you can explore these annotations by specific rubric, course design, or inclusive teaching practice themes. That sounds great. You know, I would like some more guidance for sure. This does get me thinking a little, would we really need these annotations? You know, isn't traditional course design naturally inclusive? <laughs> that sounds like a great question for our next episode. Looking forward to it. This is not. And I'm Jeff. This was Get With The Program. <laughs>